Welcome to a brand new episode of the ER Podcast, the chronicle of American business and technology. Managers who are leading to growth in business and increased profits by automating those time-consuming tasks that nobody likes doing. It's about building the digital framework to scale unpredictable markets with maximum certainty. There's hundreds of enterprise software products. There's a thousand business stories in every city. Here, we take a look at the forward leaps of clients and industry affiliates of Profit from ERP. October 2023. NetSuite is hosting Sweet World, the annual gathering of users, partners, developers, consultants, and anyone else affiliated with the NetSuite universe. It's been a busy year in ERP in general. NetSuite in particular, there are now over 37,000 companies running on NetSuite. Phenomenal growth. Around 2019, they had just broken 18,000 companies on the NetSuite mark. And the user community, that means they've doubled in four years or three years plus a COVID timeout. Anyway, Sweet World attendance is critically important for top performing NetSuite using companies. And some would say even more important for companies not even yet using NetSuite. Why is that, you ask? Why would, why would you go to a user's conference if you're not a user? Here's a story. New to ERP, clients are looking at ERP and considering which ones to select. User conferences in general, they're a great idea. I mean, everybody wants references. You know, demos are really great, software demos, but they're not great reality. You want to see real-life examples. Well, there's about 3,000 users at NetSuite you could talk to who have real-life experience with it. Does NetSuite work as advertised? You're going to see lots of companies who, at one time, were exactly where you are now. And how does it work? Well, the answer is twofold. It doesn't work like you think it would. And two, if you follow the process just like these 3,000 folks did, you too are going to get there. Is it worth it? The majority of folks at Sweet World will tell you they wish they had started sooner. The rest got into NetSuite as a startup, mostly because they'd used it as a former employee already. Another critical thing we've learned from past clients, about a third of ERP failures can be attributed to implementation fatigue. And we're talking, they've got the entire system up and running, but some of the features they expected and wanted, well, they don't seem to really work. Truth is, it gets, it gets hard at the end of an implementation, and it's been a long haul to get there. And the internal team often quits at the five-yard line. They say something like, well, huh, the software really doesn't work like it did in the demos. When the issue is, yeah, it does work, but just not the way you're trying to do it. So having the opportunity to actually see the intended functionality working for other companies, your internal team is going to realize, yeah, we can do this. If they did it, there is a way. We just have to find it. And then your internal team takes the ball from the five and pushes it over the goal line. Now, if you're already running that suite, then it's even more important to get to Sweet World. You'll find out firsthand about all the new developments being released this year. Even get a chance to see some demonstrations and some hands-on labs working with new features. Plus, there's best-in-class presentations. Other companies who use NetSuite who have seen tremendous results telling you exactly how they did it. You can ask them questions, take notes, get handouts, follow up with product leaders from NetSuite, why they designed it that way, how it works best. And then there's everything else. The affiliated software products, apps, programs, platforms, portals, everything that works with and around NetSuite. 
might not be something you're doing this year, but when you learn about it and know about it, and next year management comes in and tells you your department needs to improve by 5%, well, you know about an app that it's bumped productivity by 20% for other users. Tell them if they want that 5% internal improvement, we need to add this to the capital budget. And if you've been to Sweet World before, you know, if you've never been to Sweet World, you need to go. Now, you may say, we're happily using not NetSuite for our company software. Fine. The underlying ERP best practice theory that we're going to talk about today is the user group. Why user groups are important, how and why our research shows the best performing companies participate heavily in their user groups, regardless of what software, and we can be talking about any business software user group. I mean, you really should be attending the Super Biz Pro Max ERP annual user conference if, of course, you're the kind of company that would use Super Biz Pro Max for your ERP. Research shows it's the easiest way to be getting more from your ERP and other business software. And based on what we've learned, it's a no-brainer every year. Here's our ER podcast actual demonstration. Switch over to the mobile microphone. Walk out of the Cave Creek, Arizona, Rolling Thunder Studio into the garage. Get in the car. And we are ready to pull out. But first, we should mention today's demo traveling episode is being brought to you by the 2011 Acura MDX. This one has just under 150,000 miles and lots of features you won't find anywhere else. Features like my favorite. Zero down, zero monthly payment, zero interest rates for zero months because it was paid off years ago. The story even starts a couple years before that. I was flying with my dad. He's had a four-seater Piper single-engine airplane. And I said, hey, dad, uh, when was this plane manufactured? And he said, 1954, I think, which is a question I kind of wish we had landed before I asked. No, I'm just kidding. Um, of course, aircraft maintenance is completely different than what the average auto owner neglects to do. But it got me thinking later on when we pioneered ERP for a couple of clients in the aviation maintenance sector, I thought, hey, why not take a few tips from these guys and just drive that Acura for about 20 years? We're halfway there so far. It's working out pretty great, right? I mean, a new MDX would average, you know, like a $750 monthly payment for five years or more. And when you're not dropping $750 every month, when you do spend money on your vehicle, you get to do exactly what you want with it. New high-performance front-end suspension components, better than stock. Going all digital Bluetooth instead of the CD-based stereo. Yeah, and then got an outboard amp over there driving the subwoofer. I even had the seats redone in fine Corinthian leather. Well, they said it was Corinthian leather. I don't know, but it's really nice. Whatever I want, it's just cool. And I realized our consulting practice, Profit from ERP, is based on learning new things from every client project we do. And we've had, you know, major or minor roles in over 400 ERP projects, both big and small. And along the way, like I said, we like to learn something from all of them. And I'm not just talking about applying aircraft maintenance standards to make a car last over a decade and beyond, although that worked pretty well. Our consulting is derived from learning, like I said, from every ERP implementation. And the thing is, we found that with the right approach from the internal team, the right group of users can actually make even bad software work pretty well. 
And even better when you're improving the software selection process. So why not break that methodology down into repeatable actions using great software, right? The internal process, how the internal team and users approach the software project and deploy the ERP. That's what makes the real difference. Sure, you've still got outside consultants helping you configure the software and and things like that. But we've studied the best company's approach and distilled it down to 10 different steps or stages that we've observed, right? And that's how we came up with the profit from ERP methodologies. And one of the things that we noticed was early, I mean, our top performing companies would ask, hey, is there an active user group for this new software? Which at first I thought, that's really geeky and sounds kind of lame, software user groups. But that was back when I already knew everything before I learned I didn't. Um, Watching internal teams that we were consulting come back from Sweet World and watching our list of active ERP projects, things we were working on internally, it would just explode based on new requests. They'd seen all kinds of new things and new ways to work with existing modules. And we realized we, we really couldn't let our continue to let our customers tell us how to consult. So we started going to the software conferences. Anyway, the end result is top performing companies get much greater value out of the software they have already purchased by having participation. And at a large scale in user conference, they get payback in no time. So are you finally convinced to head off to Sweet World? We're headed that way now, and we'll be reporting back on this, the episode 31 of the ER Podcast, the official podcast of Profit from ERP. This is our consulting firm dedicated to helping clients select the best business software, implement using the best practices, and continue supporting internal teams to drive efficiencies, increase revenues, and achieve profit from ERP. All right, we got the green light. And I would lay on some highway tunes here, and we are off to Vegas. The ER Podcast. No, it's it's a podcast. We're doing a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. ER Podcast. Yeah. Okay. Here we are, recording live, NetSuite's Sweet World Conference. We're out here in the concourse and things are starting to heat up. Normally, there's a two to three day training classes prior to the actual conference starting. That's for folks that wanna get certifications or uh, more education on, on certain modules. But like us, most people start arriving the afternoon before the keynotes and already a lot is happening. There are several thousand attendees already checked in. There are hundreds of NetSuite partners and software vendors from all types, folks with apps and related programs that work with NetSuite. It's outside developers, people who have written a program specifically for their organization using the NetSuite development toolkit. And often it works so well, they take it to market on suite apps and sell it to other NetSuite users. If enough people buy the app to make it really profitable, well, sometimes Oracle NetSuite will buy that company or their intellectual property and and bring the app inside to offer what used to be an app as a new NetSuite module or sometimes just existing functionality within the base suite. We're going to hear more of that at tomorrow's keynote. And already there are hundreds of booths set up in the trade show center for people to explore everything new in and around NetSuite. 
And of course, the presentation tracks start tomorrow as well. Those are presentations held in conference rooms and classroom type setups throughout the facility. And tracks are a series of presentations for different types of NetSuite users. Development tracks for folks who like to code and do modifications, accounting tracks for finance, operation tracks, administrator tracks. If your role is management, super user, admin, support, there's a track for all of that. And what these presentations do is they give you education and best practices. Say, for example, there's a company that's using NetSuite and they cut their on-hand inventory by $3 million or whatever. And they still had excellent customer service and no stockouts. It was, it was a win for everybody. How'd they do it? Well, using NetSuite. And there's a presentation Wednesday at 2 where their controller and purchasing manager walk you through how that was done in their instance and how you could do it in your instance. What was tough? What was seamless? Do you see what's happening here? The top performers with the best practices of NetSuite are sharing ways your company could also potentially save millions with the software you already have, given, you know, you're running NetSuite, of course. There's presentations from NetSuite trainers on the latest modules, how they work. You know, the toughest part of signing up, and hint, you should sign up to get the presentations you want the day the schedule's released. But the toughest part is when there's two classes that you're interested in both of them and they're running at the same time. I mean, you're going to be pretty busy running for three days, but it's okay. There's parties and networking events at the end of every day. You can build your network of contacts with folks that you meet. Somebody you can always call later when you need a bit of advice on, on running up against something tough. You know, one goal that we encourage our clients to work on is to plan on becoming a presenting company here at Sweet World year three with your own success stories. It raises your company profile among a top corporate audience, but it also sets a goal for your internal ERP team to work on continuous improvement. Now, what possibly could you present? Well, past clients have talked about like doubling or tripling company size without adding additional support staff, revenue enhancements, operational excellence, all those kinds of things. You could talk about exceeding whatever goals we outlined at the beginning of your selection process with the profit from ERP cost revenue model. Now, for a really deep dive on all these things, we really encourage you to visit the NetSuite website for the actual webinars and recorded live stream coverage. Uh, we've got some links on profitfromerp.com, that website from the YouTube keynotes that'll take you straight to there, and you can see all of that type of thing. We will include some audio from the event just for local flavor, but this is more about the best practices for your ERP team, regardless of what software you're, we're using. So we don't want to get too deep into NetSuite, but we'll definitely highlight the key points as we see them. And it all comes up tomorrow right here at Sweet World. The ER Podcast. Okay, here we are in the main auditorium. The keynote addresses are coming up shortly. And it's really, it, it's, I mean, you'd say it's like a Broadway show, but this is Vegas, right? And the first up is NetSuite CEO, Evan Goldberg. They've got several stages set up. They've got big screens that you can follow along above the stages up to the sides. I would imagine this thing seats four or 5,000 people. It's pretty big. Anyway, lots of talk last night about AI and lots of new uh, talk about what announcements are coming up. Pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. Now, little note on keynote addresses, like they're a major thing with the software industry, right? I mean, I guess most people know about the Apple events. I, you know, with Steve Jobs in, in the past on stage, 
and that kind of set the tone. I don't know if he was the first to do it, but some of those are pretty memorable, talking about the latest and greatest advancements in the Mac lineup. And they'd always end the presentation with the line, just one more thing, and then drop some bombshell announcement about the big new product or whatever. I saw some item in the tech press the other day whining about how Apple has not announced a brand new category killer product since the Steve Jobs days. Now here's the kicker, just one more thing as it were. Apple's never ever launched a brand new category killer before, during, or after Steve Jobs. Oh, they've announced some cool new features and some new products, and, and some of them eventually evolve through constant development into what you could call a category killer, but in no measure were any of them this huge category killer day one straight out of the box. I mean, I was there when iPhone 1 dropped, right? I had one as soon as it was available for general release. And everyone in the office actually laughed at me because iPhone 1 didn't have physical keys like their Blackberries. The ridicule continued until one day at this big, huge meeting, the CEO caught me checking my email on iPhone instead of my company-issued Blackberry. I thought I was toast until he pulls out his iPhone and asks me, can I help him get his email on his iPhone? But even so, it was pretty rudimentary at first. iPhone 3, by the time that rolled out, it was obvious beyond reason that that iPhone 1 was tragically lacking in technology. And now think forward to iPhone 15. Now, you could call iPhone 15 a category killer at this point. I mean, recent data shows Apple and Samsung are neck and neck in total global units shipped. The only thing is, iPhones like are shipped for well over $1,500, 12 50 whatever and Best Buy's website has Samsung discounts that are listed at $1,250. That's $1,250 for the discount. <laughs> That's Apple killing a category. Anyway, if you're expecting category killers unveiled at a keynote, that's over in the Rainbow Unicorn Auditorium. You go way past the regular Unicorn Auditorium and you take a turn at not going to happen and it's right there on your left. <laughs> Seriously. Here's what, here's what we want to look for. In business software, we want to see development from an ERP platform. We want to see development potential from both the publisher and the outside developer community. We want to see it ongoing and evaluate not really the actual new developments coming out, but evaluate what is this ERP vendor what is their capacity for future development? Are they going to keep up with changing tides and business trends? And some of the late-to-game new cloud ERP entrants, they've put all their development money in taking their old 1980s spaghetti code base on-premise software and, and boosting it up to the cloud to make it look like it's a new cloud product. Only it's still the 1980 spaghetti code with a DOS underpinning still humming along under the covers. And some of the ERP software aggregators, if, you know, if a company has 17, 25, 30 different ERP programs, how much development focus can they put behind the one program that you happen to be using? I once visited a software aggregator to meet with the reported 100-person uh, development team for the program that I was consulting with. And when they asked me to take the team to lunch, I freaked out until I found out, well, 
actually only 10 of those 100 actually work on the program that I worked with. The other 90 worked on wholly different programs, but they were all marketed under the same name. So it, you know, it, the market, there's marketing developers and then there's the actual developers that do the work. Anyway, how your ERP will work in future years depends on how much development is going on. And that's easy to miss when you're just starting to learn what ERP is. And it's hard to handle when the ERP program you've bet on for the last seven years never changes. So let's check it out. Let's go to the keynotes, starting with NetSuite CEO, Evan Goldberg. So it's the 25th anniversary of the NetSuite platform. And to start, we're going back to the beginning. Now, I realize half the audience of the ER podcast has never heard a dial-up tone, but back in the early days of computers, mid-90s, you needed a dedicated phone line, a modem, and then you dialed up to get on America Online. And it was slow, (laughs) but record-breaking at the time, okay? Only the cool kids had modems, and the really cool kids had a second dedicated phone landline. Anyway, 1998 was really not that long ago, yet it's virtually eons past in technology. And much like the category killers Apple releases, it's not so much what they are at first, but what they grow into. In 1998, NetSuite launched the first made-for-cloud accounting ERP product, and it's grown into the major player in its category, and now they're releasing even more functionality and technology. And to describe the keynote, it's on multiple stages. It's incredible. They've got a cello player live, a dude on a beatbox. They've got a Broadway-quality light show and interpretive dancers. As the screen scrolls through NetSuite accomplishments of the years, we start with a dancer woman. She's in a business suit, and she's dancing, and she's constrained by laser lights of the 1990s technology. And as the 2000s roll in, now she's liberated and going in every direction. And now she's running a race in place, followed by a light show, a shower of business adulation. And now, reaching higher for the stars. And they're joined by a team of dancers, dancing together, but in different departmental steps. The whole ultimately greater than the parts, followed by the dance of insights, the cantata of control, agility stepping in, and the Texas two-step of productivity. Looks like Oracle's recent move to Austin is really starting to take hold. Okay, well, this might might be mildly humorous to me, I admit. I'm easily amused. But anyway, we started editing this podcast a week ago to bring you snippets of Evan and the other keynote presenters. But it was too hard to edit because whatever you left out was something important and it added context and it was too long for a single podcast. So we're putting the link on the website for you to go to the full presentation and watch it in its entirety on the NetSuite webpage. And what we'll do on the ER podcast is bring you our reaction to what's being released, okay? So let's start with AI, the elephant in the room. Personally, I've totally ignored AI for the past few months because it sounds completely hypey, you know, just like blockchain and even fear-inducing to some people who think it's like something out of a Terminator movie. I tend to derive my worldview on something other than Hollywood blockbusters, but that's just me. At Profit from ERP, we really do have to focus on what's tested, what's proven, technologies that we know are going to help our clients. And I did read in the Daily Balance CFO newsletter that less than 10% of the CFOs surveyed had active AI projects going. About 30% were planning on looking at AI soon, 
And so in a world of competing interests, I mean, we've got so many directions to go. My attitude has been, let's not chase after what less than 10% of the market's doing, but let's plan to get around it real soon, okay? But then soon showed up at Sweet World. The presentation starts off with an announcement that CEO Evan Goldberg will be replaced by Evan GPT, an AI-created version of the real guy. Now, this AI Evan GPT can speak and like he can like change fonts on the PowerPoints on stage, but it's not the same as a real person on stage. And besides, you know, Evan GPT kind of gets buggy in the opening. So the actual Evan has to take over. It's cute. And, and later on in the presentation, we'll even see Evan GPT do some other things, some other activities, but never really replace the real Evan, which it's all, I mean, that's about right where AI is today. I like the way they did that. I remember Duke Blockchain, the former hyperdriver of the year technology. It was going to revolutionize human existence, make everything different. But outside of a few uses for major retailers like Walmart and IBM, blockchain really hasn't been the category killer it was hyped up to be. And hilariously, Andreessen Horowitz, their A16Z newsletter, guys who write about blockchain in their sleep, they're just not going to let the blockchain hype die. They had an article in this week's release claiming that all the new AI needed to be successful was blockchain because, I don't know, blockchain, I guess it's magic when you say it. I didn't finish the article. Anyway, today's NetSuite presentation is the first time I've ever seen AI hype trending down and AI stock going up. Evan will be unveiling some interesting uses for AI with NetSuite up and running now, even without the help of blockchain that we know of. (laughs) So I suppose I, I can lower my skepticism a little bit at this point. Our indicator to pay attention is seeing AI that even a CFO could use today without waiting to get around to it. So after this presentation, AI really has our attention, and we'll get to more on that shortly. But for me, that's today's quantum leap with the most promise for development in the future. And so what are the major announcements they're going to talk about at Sweet World? The theme of the show is Sweet Up. NetSuite is an incredibly strong tool for building a business. Market research shows NetSuite companies grow at like 5x rate when you compare it to the average growth of people using non-cloud-based ERP. Now, there's a causation correlation question here, which you could argue that a rapidly growing company is more likely to turn to a new ERP system like NetSuite, and a certain amount of growth would have still been present in those companies regardless uh, of the software chosen or if they even change softwares. Then there's research that shows companies who invest in more NetSuite modules, they're calling that suite up, as it were, they grow faster. And again, you're starting with high growth companies and those growing past a certain point need or can justify better tools to manage that growth. It it takes more, the more complex your business gets and the larger, you're more complex. In either case, what we see is that NetSuite has some great features that fit well and support rapidly growing companies. Now, does that justify spending more for more modules? That's a a big, good question. And a large part of our consulting practice is determining if if any software purchase is going to work specifically for an individual client, specific to their organization. And if so, exactly how much, right? But you probably know from hearing brief descriptions of new functionality in the keynote something would be of interest to you on your radar for future adoption. And here at Sweet World, you can go find out more, talk to the people who've developed and and support these new features, and you can really understand how they approach the issues you're interested in. 
Here's the other thing. We work with all types of companies. Some of our smaller clients, rapidly growing businesses, they're just coming off QuickBooks, right? The sweet up concept makes total sense. Initially, they license just a few modules, basic AP, AR, inventory purchasing, financial management, that sort of thing. It's affordable for a smaller company and easier to implement for a smaller internal team. Later, as the business grows, they can sweet up by adding e-commerce or warehouse management or manufacturing projects, advanced analytics, the list is long. By then, they're a larger company with more resources to afford more NetSuite modules and a bigger staff to manage onboarding and rollout and quicker payback, right? If you're selling a million widgets starting out, well, as long as they're in boxes and stacked properly, you can probably handle tracking a million widgets, right? Later on, 50 million widgets in 22 warehouse locations at 17 regional distributors, <laughs> you can need a little more help. And the sweet widget tracker pays for itself quicker. They don't really have that module. I'm just using that for the example. But you, you hear what I'm talking about. Eventually, when you're going to go international, when you really grow with multi-currency, foreign subsidiaries, the sweet up concept has eliminated a past practice that bedeviled ERP for decades, right? Because every ERP transition is really hard, disruptive, and a lot of work. And, it, and it's, just, it's expensive. And now we're developing 10-year NetSuite roadmaps for our clients straight out of the box. So SuiteUp works really well to both give smaller companies a more affordable on-ramp and also to support rapidly growing companies through increased complexity and functionality. It makes sense. So on to the keynote announcements. First, they reviewed 22 new modules and features announced over the last 24 years, right? Big ones like One World supporting international subsidiaries and sweet people with an entire HR module. Other functionality, early on it was CRM, sweet builder e-commerce, manufacturing several years ago, advanced revenue recognition. Last year it was CPQ, AP automation, the list goes on. So what are we talking about sweeting up that's new for this year? First, let's talk a little background technology, the Oracle Cloud Advantage, right? Historically, Oracle did not bet big on cloud software, and it kind of hurt Oracle until they reacquired NetSuite, right? I mean, Oracle is known for its database software above all, and in the early days of cloud, running a huge database via cloud was a recipe for poor performance, and you know, they didn't start out with it, but being late to cloud meant Oracle had a second generation cloud development advantage. They were able to learn from the issues that AWS and Microsoft were locked into with their first mover version architecture. And like we detailed before, NetSuite now has 37,000 plus companies across 219 countries running in over 324,000 subsidiaries, all of this on 32 different Oracle Cloud data centers around the globe. It's, it's new, it's the latest architecture, and it's more affordable, and it's working really well. So where are the new developments coming from that they're going to announce this year? Well, there's the NetSuite development team, and it's now much bigger under Oracle funding since 2016. Um, number two, there's repurposing of existing Oracle development that's used in their larger Oracle Fusion and Oracle Cloud products to be able to run native in NetSuite, kind of like selling the same code twice, but it's new functionality for NetSuite. 
And then there's some merger acquisition features helping to round out the feature set, okay? Bringing in what were formerly suite apps outside development to become native NetSuite functionality. So that's pretty cool. Overall, all the focus is on more automation, getting the finance department out of the business of entering data and into the business of data-driven management. Beginning to use AI, small steps at first, but you're really starting to see some activity there. It's all about reducing keystrokes and manual data entry and generating like AI-driven advanced reporting and analysis across the entire business. Here's a list of what's new or revised for 2023. Under the umbrella of EPM, Enterprise Performance Management, there's a new suite of software for planning, financial close, reporting data. You can license the individual modules or the entire EMP package. They kicked off the new feature list with NetSuite Planning and Budgeting. It's been around a couple of years based on the old Hyperion product. We watched it develop and grow, started out rough, but evolved into a full cloud product and, and now demos well and is accepted by the NetSuite community. It's all native NetSuite, letting you create dynamic economic plans for sales, forecasting, manufacturing plans, all of which are tracked by NetSuite. NetSuite Account Reconciliation now lets you match millions of transactions within minutes to reconcile AP, AR, bank accounts, credit card statements, and the like. In years past, we had to bring in third-party Blackline or Trintech to pull this off. And not having to integrate another program? Advantage NetSuite. Financial Close Management, a task-oriented framework for more automated and less chaotic period close solutions. And Advanced Reporting uses AI-based text narratives to surround your financial statements to bring you closer to audit-ready quicker. I mean, you can always run the numbers, you're still doing that, but AI is generating text related to those numbers. Now, would you release this text in your annual report? Probably not a good idea to you've edited the heck out of it. But, and here's the but, I said that, AI might bring up an aspect of the numbers you don't normally look at, and that could open up new discussions. Just a thought. There's new NetSuite Capital feature. It enables easier borrowing on receivables. NetSuite has also partnered with Avalara, the sales tax experts, to deliver an e-invoicing module for POs, invoices. And now if you start to sell in new markets, Avalara covers 219 countries and territories with tax data. That means your POs and invoices go out automatically with the right tax, as well as meeting the different e-invoicing standards used in many countries. NetSuite Pay now automates receivables and Customer360 brings you info on customer profitability, even using AI to determine historic day sales outstanding on a per-customer basis, letting you know when to forecast invoice payments on a per-customer basis. NetSuite Analytics Warehouse consolidates data from multiple sources, creating AI-driven predictive analytics. NetSuite also bought a company called Next Technique that uh, has a field service management tool. So if you have teams that deliver, install, or service customers, that's now a full new module a technology that was tightly integrated and for some of our past clients. Now it's an integral part of the NetSuite uh, suite of products. There's also generative AI. They told the example of creating a new item. And you write a couple sentences about this new item, and then AI delivers the sales description, the purchase description, all of that for your e-commerce website. Sure, you got to tweak it a little bit, but as someone who writes a lot, getting past that blank page state is it's a huge time saver.
and kind of quietly mentioned among these and other new features, Benchmark 360, which for profit from ERP is kind of a big deal, a huge deal, really. What Benchmark 360 purports to do is using AI in the Oracle cloud to compile and share data in aggregate across all the companies using NetSuite. Now, of course, security is foremost. All the data that's shared is anonymous and in aggregate. But this means more insight with less speculation, comparing KPI performance against peer companies, industries, regions, so you can see how you measure up against national and international donut conglomerates, if you're into donuts. Or you can check your profitability against related manufacturers and profitability versus the ever-present big whatever it is you compete with. See, with our profit from ERP methodology, this is so in our wheelhouse. One of our most powerful tools is our cost revenue model. And early on in our process, we do exhaustive business analysis for our clients. We track the costs of how they manage transactions before ERP. Then we compare cost estimates, what the world is going to look like after ERP is implemented. This achieves several things. One, it lets us determine which features the new ERP needs to do well. If we're going to go try and drive cost out of inventory, well, which ERP system does the best job with inventory? And if AR is an issue, which ERP can show us our customers that are likely to run the longest in the aging report? And then if the projected inventory savings could be like $5.5 million a year and the AR aging would get us $5,000 maybe 10 days earlier, well, then in this case, inventory functionality is super critical while AR becomes kind of a nice to have, right? It drives better software decisions by creating financial weighting, and it's the building block in the framework of the implementation, the software design, and it affects the entire process, right? It's the basis of profit from ERP consulting. The concept that if our clients can understand and grasp the real value that they will create with the new ERP toolset, it changes the project priority. It elevates the urgency of the implementation, and it even calls for creating the exact reporting that's going to measure the benchmarks of this new ERP success. Now, because of past marketing hype surrounding ROI for ERP technology, this approach rings huge alarm bells for a lot of CFOs worldwide, right? I, I like to call it the peak average distortion. Some Marketing teams are always looking for success stories and say they find a success story with a company cutting costs by 25%. Now going forward, every PowerPoint and slick brochure screams, cut your costs by 25% with Super Biz Pro Max ERP. And it sounds like an average, but it's not. It's the peak savings one company realized one place. And maybe that 25% reduction was because they had a really rotten baseline process prior to ERP. It's a peak outlier, and no one else seems to get near the PowerPoint promise of this expense reduction, right? So today, what we do when we prepare a cost revenue model is we start with a number that we know a past client has achieved, and we cut it in half. And later, we reduce the aggregate number by a third just to be safe. So what we're saying is, if our new client can achieve around 40% of the ROI of past customers, then they will save X million dollars over an X time frame, right? And we also backdate the cash flow analysis to allow for users of the new software to experience a learning curve post-go-live. So 
We do status reviews regularly at early stages of the live ERP project, but we don't expect people to be as accurate and, 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 and as efficient with the new software until they've been using it for a few months. In the end, our clients tend to exceed returns expected by the cost revenue model. They also tend to learn a lot of things during the ramp-up process, and they usually discover other areas of productivity, cost avoidance, and revenue enhancement that we never even foresaw. So with a realistic expense reduction projected at an achievable return curve, even a CFO can begin to get behind the idea of this expense revenue model. Anyway, this is where we see Benchmark 360 giving us better inputs, not from one or two past clients that we've had directly, but across thousands of companies using NetSuite all over the world. Look, like I said, currently our clients generally exceed the cost revenue models, some by little, some by a lot. That's by design. But with any forecast, it's garbage in, garbage out. Not to say our current data points are garbage, but we have dozens of success stories every year that attest to how close they are. And with larger sample size, that's only going to get better. This whole cost revenue model also provides justification for realistic project budgets for ERP. And when you're chasing X million dollars in return, suddenly it makes sense to send your key team members to the annual Sweet World Conference to get the latest best practices and find out what new features can help drive that success. So for my business, Business 360 is a game changer because it will give more insights to help bring my client companies better information. For your company, one of the other developments that we talked about and was spotlighted at Sweet World could be a, a total game changer. But time to pack up, time to leave Sweet World. What are my takeaways? Well, they changed my mind about AI. What was hype before Sweet World suddenly became real, and that's, that's big. And it will get bigger as long as we can work blockchain somewhere into this mix. Sarcasm alert, sorry. Speaking of big, with this level of development, new features, AI, acquisitions, NetSuite has grown, I mean, historically, they've been growing rapidly, and they seem to be a critical mass. You know, growth drives innovation, innovation drives growth. I do wonder about the supporting consulting infrastructure, okay? I know good NetSuite teams right now are really busy and hard to book, which is why I'm fortunate to have affiliations with several top partners. Frankly, the amount of development announced at Sweet World 2023 surprised me. It's more than I've seen in a single year from any ERP provider. There was lots of talk about the quantum leap of AI, and we see the early applications of AI across several of the new features developed for NetSuite. Category killers, well, uh, I don't know about the new releases, but you could. You know, with the amount of modules and features developed for one of the fastest growing ERP options in the market, that's hard to beat. And I mean, technically, you do have to admit NetSuite itself has already kind of been a category killer of sorts, having killed the on-premise ERP software in favor of cloud-based ERP for some years ago, right? Now everybody's in the cloud. But remember, we're not saying NetSuite is right for every one of our clients. Acumatica, Sage Intact, the Dynamics uh, family, Business Central Finance Operation, great fits for plenty of companies. And you should probably consider those along with a couple of, or picking out a couple of the hundreds of industry-specific ERPs that are on the market. Hopefully, you'll come away from today's episode understanding a bit more about the entire ERP software development cycle and how user groups and meetings such as Sweet World are of vital importance in the success of ERP. So if you're looking for NetSuite or any ERP, let us help. 
either with our full selection consulting implementation process, or maybe you just need referrals to the right partners. We work with several NetSuite partners, handful of dynamic shops, dozens of other ERP vendors. Working with the right people who've built a reputation for experience with companies your same size and industry, it's one of the most critical steps you can imagine. Just drop us a line at info at ProfitFromERP or www.ProfitFromERP.com. Initial consultations are always no charge. And if we do work together, guarantee we'll save you money over going it yourself. That's kind of what we do. That and eliminating risk in a software industry famous for an 80% failure rate historically. Ask us more about that. For the ER Podcast and Profit from ERP, I'm Gene Hammonds, and now it's time for us to hit the road and head out of Vegas. But we look forward to seeing you here next fall at Sweet World. Till then, don't be a stranger. This was another episode of the ER Podcast, documenting the ongoing evolution of profit from ERP with experience from over 450 ERP projects spanning the last two decades. We focus on the changes in technology emerging weekly, all to ensure profit from ERP. For the links and downloads from today's podcast, visit ProfitFromERP.com. A production of Rolling Thunder Studios.